right before uh, we get started with the message, I just want to uh, take a moment to thank God for some of the things that he's done. Charles Benson had an operation on his back that was very serious, and we got word that he was in excellent condition, and he got operated on one day and went home the next day. Amen. His, his daughter, Debbie, was going in. They were concerned because they had uh, discovered a mass, but when they got in, they couldn't find the mass. So we give God praise for that. <clears throat> he, it's a season of miracles. There, uh, there's something unique about this time of year because what it does is it causes everyone to focus attention wittingly or unwittingly, wittingly on an event that transformed the world as we know it. And because of that, we're here today. The first candle that was lit today in the Advent symbolizes hope. I want you to watch this. Today, we start a series on the candles of Advent. And actually, you know, when Advent was invented, it was actually invented by a schoolmaster. It was, uh, children were so anxious about when Christmas was coming, and he built a ring out of a wheel and had 
candles. He had 20 little red candles and four white candles, and the red candles symbolized each day of the week, and the white candles symbolized every Sunday. And so from that, we developed a tradition of acknowledging the expectation of his coming. Hope is vital to the human heart. How many of you know that? That when you lose hope, if you, matter of fact, it's so important. I, that today I'm going to speak to you for a little while on this topic, the anchor of hope. Would you say that with me, the anchor of hope? In Proverbs 13 and 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. The word hope there in Hebrew means expectation. So think of it this way, hope or expectation deferred makes the heart sick. Debbie came up with a acrostic for hope. I, I modified one of the words in it, but it, it's hung hope, H-O-P-E, hung on pure expectation. Everybody say expectation. Because as a believer, you need to have some expectation. If you don't have that, when you're no longer expecting, your heart becomes grieved because you've lost hope. How many of you have hope that you have family that's going to be saved? Come on, let me put your hands together if you've got that hope. If you give up that hope, then you become like a zombie. You're just walking around, breathing air and taking up space. You've got to get that hope solidified in your heart. The hope in the advent is the hope of his coming, the hope of his arrival. But every generation needed hope. In the book of Isaiah, there's a story that's told about King Ahaz, which is the king of Judah, and the king of Syria and the king of Israel had formed an alliance together and they were going to attack Ahaz and destroy him. And he was so fearful. His heart feared. He trembled. The people were afraid. They didn't know what to do. And God sent Isaiah to Ahaz. And this is what he told him. He, he told Ahaz, he said, that, that uh, stop worrying about this invasion, it's not going to happen. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, stop worrying. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have worried about something that never even happened? Do you understand all the energy we consume doing that? The, what that does to your heart? You ever get a call in the middle of the night? One o'clock in the morning, oh, you went, picked up the phone, somebody on the other end said, do you have Prince Albert in a can? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? How many of you remember Prince Albert in a can? And then they would say, well, let him out because it, before he smothers. Somebody grab a phone, hello, hello, is your refrigerator running? <laughs> well, yeah. Why aren't you running after it? Smart Alex. 
How many of you made some of those phone calls? <laughs> I'm just acknowledging it. <laughs> but that, that, that phone, as soon as it rings, man, our heart kicked into overdrive. and We were so afraid and, 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 and so consumed with, oh, that it's got to be bad news. It's got to be horrible. And then it turned out to be something that wasn't even worth getting up for. <laughs> Hope. Hope doesn't let go. It hangs on to that pure expectation that God is going to work it out. And it's God's way. God's the one that sent Isaiah to Ahaz and said, stop worrying about this. I know what's going on. I know that they've joined forces, but this invasion is never going to happen. And then he went a step further and he said, Ahaz, he said, just ask a sign from me. Ask God a sign, anything you want to ask. Ask it in the heavens, ask it in, in the depths of the dead. Just ask it and, and, and God will give it to you. And Ahaz responded and he said, no. He said, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to test God like that. Here's what you need to understand. Ahaz wasn't testing God. God's the one that said, ask me a sign. It's different when we're running around always, you know, well, God, give me a sign. I'm supposed to get out of bed today. God wanted to give Ahaz a sign. And in retrospect, I'm glad Ahaz didn't ask because God said, all right, if you're not going to ask me a sign, I'll give you a sign myself. This is found in Isaiah 7 and 14. He said, all right, then the Lord himself shall give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. From that promise hung the hope and the expectation of all Israel. But more than Israel, it was the hope of the world, even though the world didn't know it. 400 years of what's known as silent years would transpire from the end of Malachi until the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. Well, actually, let's put it this way, 400 silent years from the time the last prophet spoke until Christ would come. 400 years that seemed to be filled with nothing but darkness. But you'd be looking at it wrong if all you saw was darkness. Because in that darkness, there was hope. In that silence, there was still hope. How many have ever had a child that ran away from home and hoped that they would see them again? How many had a job situation where your job fell through and for those few weeks or months you felt like your worth was gone and 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 you you didn't know what you would do and you begin to question even who you were and, and yet your hope is not in a job it's it's in him and he knows what you're worth and he knows how much you mean, and, and he's given us a promise. 
He said that I know the thoughts that I think towards you and they're thoughts of good and not of evil to give you what? To give you hope and an expected end. What's he saying? He's saying when it seems like you're surrounded by the enemy, don't give up hope. When you don't know which way to go or which way to turn, just hang on to hope and, and, and just keep believing because when it seemed like nothing would happen, something happened. In Matthew 4 and 14, a prophecy is fulfilled. It said that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. He spoke this in Isaiah 9 and 2, saying, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region in the shadow of death, light has dawned. Isn't it amazing how quick God can change things? How fast he can turn it around for you if you'll just trust him. If you'll hang your expectation on him and hope. He delights to do for us what we can't do for ourselves, but he wants us to trust him. Hope. We also wait with expectation. See, they were waiting for his first coming. We're waiting for his second coming. But when you wait with expectation, that means you, you, you don't wait with your head hung down. You don't wait singing the blues. You wait with a joy in your heart and a, a skip in your step because you know that the promise that he's spoken, he'll bring to pass. Paul even talks to us about how important this promise is. Paul tells us in Corinthians, he says, if in this life only I have hope in Christ, I'm of all men most miserable. What's he saying? He's saying our hope goes beyond this life. How many of you have ever had to hold back your flesh? How many of you know it's a sin to lie in church? <laughs> Wave your hand if you've ever had to hold back your flesh. You know what I'm talking about. Someone cuts you off in traffic and you want to chase them down. Somebody give you a, a, a good cussing and the last thing you want to do is say, Lord, bless you, brother. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been there? May, I, I mean, maybe your world is filled with cotton candy and clouds. You know, where everything just goes, you just float from one victory to another. But every once in a while, you get a dose of the world. And how many of you know the world doesn't care anything about God? But God cares about the world. For God so loved the world. See, what happens is we get in this this thought process, well, God, they, the world don't care nothing about God, so I ain't going to care nothing about them. It's not how it works. We'd like it to work that way. It'd make it easier on us. But there are those times that you're called upon to have hope, even when those around you are trying to take it from you. Amen. Even when your circumstances are trying to snuff it out. We do angel tree here. Angel tree is hope for those children. 
It's bad enough to have a parent incarcerated, but to have a parent incarcerated at Christmas time. Have you ever been to a place, you don't have to wave your hand on this, but have you ever been to a place in life when Christmas was coming and there was no money for presents and you couldn't buy anybody anything? And, and, and for me, it always felt like this. I didn't care about getting anything. I just wanted to make sure that I was able to give something. Amen. I remember... We had a family situation one time and we, we would draw names and, and when we drew names, I, I had one of the siblings came to me and they were in tears and they, they said, I, I said, what's wrong, what's wrong? And they said, well, the, the other sibling said that they're not going to have enough money to be able to get me anything this year and, and they were just crying about it and I looked at them and I said, don't worry, I'll get you something, I'll take care of it. Don't you understand that that's what God is trying to do for us. He's saying, look, it's not that I'm trying to get something from you. I'm trying to give something to you. I, I'm not trying to take something. For, I, I'm trying to impart something to you that will change your life. But the only way you're going to get it is to lay hold of it in hope. Amen. Everyone say hope. You say, but look how long it's been. I mean, some of you folks are old. Right? Amen. Thank you, George. Nobody knows how old George is. It's a mystery. We know he was born in the last century. We're not sure when in the last century. <laughs> Some have even suggested maybe in the century prior, but I don't think so. I, George is just like that Energizer bunny. It, he just keeps going and going and going. He just don't wear out. But we're, we're, we're growing up. When the first time I heard about his coming, I was just a kid. And now I'm a young adult. I'm telling you, that's what I'm talking about having to deal with sometimes. It's just, you know, now that I'm older, everybody say he's just a little older and, and he hasn't come yet. And so see that thinking permeates the, the world and it, it, well, you know, I've heard that all my life, but it hasn't happened yet. There's something you need to understand about the promises of God. They're yea and Amen. When God makes a promise, he's going to keep that promise. Look at Hebrews 6, 17. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. It's like God knew this was going to happen. As a matter of fact, he did, didn't he? He knew that people would question he knew that people would begin to think, well, it's never happened. And so he does something unique. He binds himself with an oath so you'll know that he'll never change his mind. God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. 
Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. What's it saying? It's saying this hope takes us into the tangible presence of God. This hope that's an anchor, it's something that you can lay hold to it. You can rest assured of it. It's an anchor of our soul. Honey, run in my office, please. Everybody give her a hand as she goes. Yeah. I need you, I need you to, I, I've got a rope on my couch. You can go through this way. Everybody knows you're going. Okay. She's trying to get her walk in. <laughs> it, it's th- this hope. Listen to this. This is in Romans 5 and 5. It says, this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. A sure hope, a hope that doesn't disappoint you. How many of you have ever been disappointed before? Did you hope for something and then all of a sudden what you hoped for just... How many of you looked at those Black Friday sales and you were hoping there would still be one of those televisions for 29 cents <laughs> when you got there? 72, thank you, honey. <laughs> Give her a hand. You, you were hoping that it would work out. I remember I went to a Black Friday sale one time. I never got out of the car. I drove, literally, I drove into town. I went by the Walmart parking lot and I saw all those cars and I said, wow, you gotta be kidding me. I left there and went to Kmart and it wasn't any better. Then I knew that the Best Buy sale wasn't starting until I was in town, I guess it was about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night on Thanksgiving night. And I knew that the, the Best Buy sale wasn't going to start until like one o'clock in the morning. And I thought, well, I'll get a jump on everybody. I never knew people that were so desperate to get something in all their life. I went in the parking lot, was full of people, were already out of their car lined up at the door and it was still a good two hours before they were going to open the door and they were lined up waiting for that special value just 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 hoping that they could get it because there was no guarantee it's the difference between that kind of hope and the kind we have because we have a guarantee. Everybody say a, a guarantee. It's not a hope that's going to disappoint you. It's not a hope you're going to stand in line for and then all of a sudden find out there isn't any more and you just lost out. And, and man, I remember James. Where's James? Is he in here? He should have been. 
<laughs> I think he had to leave. James used to go to those Black Friday sales, and I remember them talking about he would, and literally, man, they, you remember when they would do it and they, they, they had a countdown at when it started, and then I remember hearing stories about him jumping over the top of people so he could get a, a, into a pallet of of whatever it was. I don't know if it was dolls or it was when the girls were young. And, and he, he dove over those people and he just started throwing them back to his wife and she was catching them. He was just tossing them back. People get into a knockdown drag out over the hope. And sometimes we let the devil come in and steal our hope without even a fight. We let him come in and tell us it's never going to happen. There's nothing you can do. You might as well give up and go home. You might as well quit. And we don't even contest it. Do you understand that the hope that we have is the greatest hope that the world has ever been given? The hope we, that's why the devil doesn't want you to have it. But God was determined for you to know about this hope. And so Paul tells us in Colossians, God wanted his people throughout the world to know the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ living in you, giving you the hope of glory. Oh, you, you didn't get that, did you? Christ in me. Everybody say, in me. How do I know I've got hope? Because I can feel him in me. Amen. How many of you think you could feel it if someone was in you? I promise you, if I were to take my hand and start down your throat, you would definitely know that someone was in you. But what God does is God reaches in, he permeates our heart, he changes our world, he changes us, and sometimes we're, we're not even realizing what's going on. It, it just happens. It just He puts a smile where there used to be a frown. He puts a song where there used to be sadness because he is that hope. Everybody say, he's the hope. He's that anchor, man that gives us hope. So you've got to ask yourself a question, what are you anchored to? In the sixth grade, we had a competition. It was a field trip in all the schools were involved, and so they all came to compete. I had one job to do. My job was to be the anchor man. The anchor man was a specific job in tug-of-war pulling because the anchor man had to make sure that he didn't slip because if he slips, the team's going with him. And I remember having worked hard to achieve this position. It's not easy for a 10 year old to weigh 180 pounds. 
give or take 10. And so I, I remember when we went out there and they started and we, we beat them. And well, actually, they, the coach from the other team came up and he said, look, he said, I bet you that, well, actually, we weren't supposed to know about this, two teachers had a bet going on the side. And our teacher had bet the other teacher, I bet your team can't take our team out. Let us pull against each other. Give me another chance. Because in that first competition, I had slipped and went down. Teacher came back to me and he said, Rick, he said, I've bet the other teacher that we can take them. I know that you slipped. And so, come here, Michael. I'm sorry, Michael. David, come up here a second. <laughs> Get over it. I had people calling me names all my life. Get over it. Okay. <laughs> and so, what happened is they started pulling. And as they started pulling, you can go ahead. As they started to pull, I started to feel myself go. And I was, Cordell, give him a hand. I started to feel myself go. And as I started to feel myself go, I, I started pulling back. And I thought, I don't know if I can hold him. Oh, but I kept trying, and I kept trying, and I kept trying. <laughs> until, okay. Until finally, until finally, literally, that's, I, I had a flashback just then. <laughs> and I had blood cut off. <laughs> but we were going, and as we started going, the ground would slip. I had on tennis shoes. And those tennis shoes slid in the grass. And when I slipped in the grass, I, w I, I, I thought, man, it's over. But I heard somebody start hollering from the sidelines. Come on, Rick. You can do it. Don't give up, Rick. Don't give up. They literally started running in and screaming at me. And I don't know how it happened. But I turned around the other way, and so I wasn't facing them anymore. And I turned around the other way, and I remember taking my fingers and digging into dirt, trying to pull back. And slowly but surely, I started getting my grip back, and I got back up on my feet, and we pulled that team across the line. When it was over, I just collapsed, man. I, 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 was, I, I was done. And I thought the struggle I had and all their hope was on me. And I nearly lost it. Today, your hope isn't on me. Amen. And my hope isn't on you. But together, our hope is hung on him. Amen. Do you understand 
that he's never even come close to losing a match. That when hell and all of its hordes wrapped around him and drug him down to the pit, the Bible said as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man entered the heart of the earth. They drug him down. But when they got him there, they didn't know what to do with him because in one moment, he flexed his muscle. And when he did, hell began to tremble. They couldn't hold him. He's the one that holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He's the one that holds your promise. He's got you covered. He is your anchor, your hope. Now hear me. The anchor is sure. Say it with me. The anchor is sure. The anchor holds. The question is, will the rope that has you fastened to him hold? Because he's not going anywhere. He said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. But what, what attaches us to him, that was what was happening with David and Cordell. It was the pressure that they felt at some point started to burn their hand. You know why? It's the wrong rope. This isn't the rope you use for tug of war. If you're going to use a rope for tug of war, you use a cotton rope. You don't use nylon. Sit back because it can cut your hand so easily. The rope that attaches us to him is our faith. Amen. Our faith. Will your faith hold during a time of struggle? Or will you give it up? Will you say, forget this? I noticed when David tripped, Cordell let go. <laughs> he thought, forget this. <laughs> I ain't trying to pull him by myself. <laughs> but you see, this is, the, th th this is why you need to get this. It's because you're never alone. Your anchor will never fail you. Your anchor will never walk away from you. Your anchor, no matter what you're going through, whether you're doing things right or whether you're doing things wrong, your anchor will not walk away. Amen. But it continues to stand sure, waiting for your faith to get a grip that refuses to let go. Would you stand with me today? It wore me out. That struggle that day, back in the 70s, 
I believe it was in 1972, wore me out. The struggle I had this morning didn't help. But it's not about me. Peter thought it was. Peter made the mistake of thinking that he was the anchor. And he looked at Jesus and he said, if everyone denies you, I would never do that. As a matter of fact, Lord, I'll die for you. Jesus had some words for Peter. He said, Peter, Satan has desired to have you so he could sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. Do you get that? Well, yeah, but he didn't pray for me. I beg your pardon. The scripture said that he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He's constantly there praying for us, interceding on our behalf. Now listen to what he said. Satan's desired to have you that he could sift you as wheat. And man, I'm so sorry you're getting ready to fail. No, that's not what he said. He said, I've prayed for you. And when you're converted, <laughs> what was he saying? He's saying, Peter, you may go through some stuff but you're going to be converted because I'm not going to let go. Just make sure you don't let go. When you're converted, strengthen your brethren. So that day when he ran and left Jesus alone, when he cursed the people that accused him of being affiliated with Jesus, he ran away that day and he cried and he felt so lonely and he felt so empty and he felt like God would never want anything to do with me. But the anchor holds. Hell couldn't hold him. <laughs> Demons couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't hold him. And he came back and he sent an angel and told Mary to go tell his disciples that he goes before you to Galilee, but he, he inserts a name there. He said, you go tell my disciples and tell Peter. What's he doing? He's saying, Peter, you've given up on yourself but I never gave up on you. So today, this is what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask prayer partners to come forward. Let me ask you this question. Come on, guys, girls. What is it that's got you anchored? I learned something about ships in a storm. There was a hurricane coming in and they had 
a young man was out there and he had a sailboat and he didn't want his sailboat to be torn apart and so he he had a bunch of ropes and he started tying that boat to everything he could find to tie it to he was trying to anchor off to everything older gentleman that was seasoned on the water walked up to him and he said son he said are you wanting to lose that boat he said no sir no sir I'm, I, I, I want to make sure it's safe he said if you tie it like you've got it tied that ship is going to be torn apart he said son let me tell you something you need to find one sure anchor and hold that boat to that anchor. David, let me borrow you one more time. Because here was the idea, Cordell, come on. He knew, grab David's arm. He knew that if that ship was anchored in several different directions, that when the storm came, that he would be pulled apart so he said, you can't do that, thank you. So what he did, he said, just, just lock it down to one sure anchor. And then when the storm comes, go ahead and pull. All the directions, just everywhere. When the storm comes, you're not going to have to worry because the anchor will hold. Thank you, give him a hand, would you? So we've got to be careful that we're not tied off in too many places. Well, I'm, my job's my anchor. My parents are my anchor. My 401k is my anchor. Those anchors aren't going to hold. Stock market fluctuates. You can't hold on to that 401k. Your job may leave and your parents don't live forever. But there's a sure anchor that'll bring you hope if you'll fasten on to it. That anchor is Jesus. What's he say? He makes that statement and he said that we have him, Emmanuel, God with us. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be afraid. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor. Look, I know the holidays can be stressful at times. You love your family and you want to be able to give little Johnny everything that's on his Christmas list. But that's not what Christmas is about. And it's time Johnny find that out. The greatest thing you're going to give your kids is your love. Make Christmas special with family events. Do something unique that becomes a tradition for Christmas. Don't let it be about the next Tickle Me Elmo. Say, but I'm alone at Christmas and I don't have anybody. No, you're, you're not alone. The Bible saying, seeing that we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. You may not see them, but there's some unseen cheerleaders rooting for you. 
you can make it. Come on. Come on. You can do it. You can do it. Let that anchor hold for you today. So they sing this song. I'm going to ask you if you, you're in here and you say, Pastor, I need to get a good solid foundation under me. I need to get my life locked in. Why don't you take a moment right now and come and let us pray with you and help tie you off to an anchor that's sure. Let us help you reinforce your faith so it doesn't snap, it doesn't break in a time of storm. Come on, stretch your hands to heaven and love them with me now as they sing this song. We Father, we thank you. We just ask you, God, to have your way in this house today. Lord, during this Christmas season, God, let the light of hope fill our hearts. Let it light the way for us, God, so that we know we're not alone. We praise you for it. We thank you for it. If you're in here today and you've got a need, I want you to come right now. Whether it's healing for your body or your finances or your family, whatever it is, would you just come right now? As they pray for you, sing it. something for us this Christmas season do you know that you could be the reason that someone finds hope if God's been good to you and I know he has then why don't you purpose this next week to find someone to give a little hope to yes. just just Take time to listen. Just take time to talk to them. Pay for somebody's meal going through McDonald's. Go buy somebody a Starbucks. I like toffee nut latte. But just do something where you're giving of yourself so others will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. Come on, give me a hand clap of praise in this house today. Let's spread a little hope. Let's spread some hope. As a matter of fact, why don't you just go out and find somebody and bring back with you next week and give them some hope, all right? How many of you are going to do it? Come on, give them a hand clap of praise. God bless you today. Sing. Has broken city and in the country. May you know that he's an ever-present help in a time of need. 
and that have gone before you, who, my friend, can be against you? God bless you, Jesus. Like the end, oh Lord, you are more than enough. 